Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. ACF Church, we're so glad to be together again. Man, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so excited. I'm a little emotional. Um, If you're watching online, we love you. We're grateful for you. And uh, we have some people in the room tonight. So excited about that. In case you're wondering, uh, this is part of our serve team. We've invited them as part of our journey towards re, uh, re-engaging with church and regathering uh, to join us here tonight, just kind of a small group to be part of this crowd. And I'll tell you what, it's so good to talk to people. Again, there is nothing like a real human being getting to share the Word of God and worship together. And, and although we love uh, meeting online, and I'm just so grateful that we have that opportunity, that you are with us, there is something beautiful about face-to-face relationships and connections that you just can't get anywhere else. And so I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I was thinking this week, um, way back in February, we were out of town and everything sort of hit the fan, right, with COVID-19. And it just got really crazy. We barely got back into town. They were shutting down all of the airports. And we sat down as a team and we just said, what are we going to do, right? What, what, is, what is church going to look like in this next season? And the question I asked our staff is this, who is ACF apart from this gathering? Like, can we answer that question? Are we a church? Are we living as the church? Or are we just a Sunday morning, Wednesday night gathering of people? And I just want to say you guys have answered that question. And the answer is we are a generous, compassionate, life-giving community that the gates of hell cannot stop because God is working in his church. And we believe that. So the church is alive, we're alive, we're more alive than ever. Great things are happening right now. And one of the questions that I keep getting over and over again is, when are we going to reopen church, right? When do we reopen the church? And the answer is this, we can't reopen the church because the church hasn't closed. We've never closed down. We've seen people give their lives to Jesus through this journey through COVID-19. We've seen people's hearts transform. We've seen neighbors and friends open up to deep spiritual conversations through the journey of COVID-19. And because of all of this, we're seeing that God is, is active and alive and working through his church, I believe more than ever. And I actually think that we're living in a time of spiritual awakening. 
I mean, isn't it cool that like we get to live in a time like this that even maybe my parents didn't get to experience or their parents didn't get to experience on a global scale that across the globe, and we said this this first week, that more people were streaming online and watching church that, that very first week than had ever uh, watched church and been part of a church gathering um, ever before, I believe, in human history. And so God is at work. He's working through all of this. Lives are being changed. We can't uh, reopen the church, but we can regather the church, uh, which is part of the journey that we're here on uh, tonight and, and moving forward is that we are going to move forward and regather the church. A lot has happened even in the past week, right? Um, just even, even the church being called essential, which praise God for that, right? We feel that way. We feel that the church is something that is extremely essential. Um, And and at the same time, we're seeing our government just working hard, and especially our local government, trying to reopen our state, which, praise God, uh, we're on a journey in that way uh, uh, towards reopening. And so that gives us some opportunities as a church to take some steps. And and you guys need to know, we've been careful about this. We are praying about this. No decision that we have made or are making has has been made without lots and lots of prayer, lots of conversation. And so we want to take a step forward. And so I'm here to share with you guys tonight that our first coming home together is on June 14th. We're going to come home. We're going to meet in this space. And it's going to look a little different, and we're going to, you know, follow all of the protocols, and there's going to be some, you know, some ways to wash your hands and hand sanitizer at the door, and we're going to try to keep you uh, spaced out as best as we can, but we have to start somewhere, right? And and this is going to be family-style services, and so parents get ready, right? Uh, This means bring the kids to church, and we're all going to be really gracious about that, Uh, but we're going to meet together um, as families, and I'll tell you, like, we can do this. Parents, if you're watching online, you can do this. I trust that you can. You can gather with the church, with your family. Um, If you go overseas to many of our brothers and sisters across the globe that are followers of Jesus, there is no separate church for the kids. You know, we love that. It's an opportunity to share Jesus with our kids in an age-appropriate way. But we're going to do that here, and we're going to do that together, and and we're going to help you to stay engaged with them, and it's going to be awesome. And so there's going to be some new service times that you'll have to be aware of. Uh, It's going to be Wednesday at 7 p.m. because we love our Wednesday. Wednesday night church. That's awesome. We want to bring that back. If you don't know anything about Wednesday night, that is our first service of the week. And so Wednesday at 7 p.m. and then Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. is where we're going to start. And we'll see where it goes. But I actually believe that through all of this journey, we're going to see people come back to church that haven't been to church in a while. Uh, We're going to see our unchurched friends and neighbors maybe uh, take a step towards God's community and finding out things about faith in Jesus. And and, and if you're wondering, what's our philosophy on regathering? You know, like, how do we decide this stuff and and why do we make these decisions? Here it is. Uh, We want to gather in such a way that will be a great experience for our unchurched friends and family. That's the whole point, right? It's not about a political agenda. It's not about a personal agenda. It's about the mission of God. And and we want to make sure that is the central focus in every decision that we make, is that we want for our friends and family, especially those who've been de-churched, those who are unchurched, to be able to come back and have a wonderful experience with the family of God. Because it's good to be in church, right? And, And we want them to experience that as much as we want to experience that. So we are um, going after 
after God's agenda, right? And God's agenda is his kingdom. And actually, that's what this series that we're in um, is about, is God's kingdom, this flipped upside down kingdom that's completely different than the kingdom of the world, where blessing is different than the way that people might define blessing in the world around us. You can't buy blessing. You can't strong arm blessing. You simply must receive it freely from the God who wants to give it freely. And this is so different than the way that people around us uh, see blessing, right? And so we want to be a blessed church, don't we? We want to be a blessed church. And so here's what I think a blessed church is. A blessed church is a church dedicated to the agenda of God. That's a church that's blessed by God. We want to be dedicated to God's agenda in the world and around us. And so uh, we want to go back to what it actually means to be blessed. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God, what did he do? Blessed. He blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see that God is portrayed as a God of blessing, which is so good. That God, do you know that God wants to bless you? Like he actually wants to pour out a blessing liberally onto your life. But in the scriptures, the word blessing means so much more than just being happy. I think in the world today, we just, when we define blessing, we're like, oh, it's just to have a, a smile on your face, right? Just to be a little happy about your life. But here's what blessing actually means. Blessing is the approval and the goodwill of God. That's what blessing is. It's more than just I'm happy right now because that comes and goes, doesn't it, right? Like you're stuck in traffic, you're stuck inside because of some COVID, right? You can't find your favorite potato chips because somebody bought 25 bags five minutes before you showed up at the grocery store. But blessing is more than just am I happy right now. It's that I have the approval and the goodwill of God in my life. And that's different than the world would see it. The Hebrew word in this text for blessing is uh, this word baraka. Baraka. And uh, this word literally means to kneel or to bless. To kneel. So this idea of blessing in the scriptures, it, this, it, this idea is like a connotation of kneeling down uh, towards someone or toward something. And so I have a question for you. Have you ever dropped to your knees before? Like, like maybe you have during worship. I know it's something that I've done before, and maybe you have at some point. Uh, maybe you uh, have prayed with your children at night. You've been on your knees praying at their bedsides before. I want you to think for a moment, when have you dropped to your knees? Well, there are good moments, right, where we're at our knees, and, and maybe it's a, it's a time of worship, but there are also these devastating moments, right, where we've dropped to our knees before. And that's a lot of times where God shows up is in those really difficult, devastating moments that we go through. And so think about it. When have you dropped to your knees in your life? Well, normally it's when we hear a statement like this. How about this? We're choosing to downsize the company. And you just drop to your knees. And you think, what am I going to do? Have you ever dropped to your knees when you heard this? The treatment is no longer working. That's a statement that would bring anybody to their knees. How about this statement? I think we're better as friends. We've heard that one before, right? Not you guys, just me, right? I've, I heard that one a few times before I met my lovely wife, Amanda. We're better as friends. Thank you, sweetheart, for staying with me. How about this one? I'm giving up on our marriage. 
That'll put a man or a woman to their knees. Or this one, the pregnancy isn't viable. These are statements that cut us to the heart. And in these moments, we drop to our knees. And and it's not maybe uh, for you in that moment, a moment of worship, right? It's a moment of I give up, right? Like I don't know what else to do. And it's almost like we're physiologically designed to surrender to whatever it is that's out there at our moments of greatest distress. Isn't that interesting? You have friends and and family members who maybe don't know God or don't love God. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're watching this online, but you know that there has been moments in your life where you have literally dropped to your knees because you feel like you've lost everything. And in that moment, what Jesus is going to teach us is that right there, in, in your deepest pain, in the moment where it's like, man, how could I ever move forward from right here and right now? Right in that moment, Jesus says this. He says, that's where you're blessed. That is where you're blessed. And so today, uh, the the topic of this message is when you've lost it all, you're blessed. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. This is where we're spending most of our time in this series. You can follow along um, on the ACF app or on your Bible if if you have a Bible here. But this is the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to start off with the text that we read last week and continue on through uh, the, the Beatitudes or the blessings of Jesus It says this, seeing the crowds, he being Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about this last week, right? Blessed are the broke, which some of you said, then I'm super blessed. Because I am broke as a joke right now. But he's saying those who realize that you have nothing to bring to the table when it comes to the kingdom of God. I mean, you have nothing to impress God with, right? You've done nothing so great that God is like, all right, you know, I wasn't going to let anybody else into my kingdom, but you're pretty awesome, right? Like what you did right there, it just excels above all of the rest. No, we bring nothing to the table. Grace is a free gift given by God because he loves us. And so that's, that is that. Then he moves forward and he says this in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is a paradox that sounds like insanity. Can we say that? Um, it just feels like insanity. Like sometimes we can, we can be honest here. When Jesus speaks, we're kind of, you know when a dog hears a weird noise and you're just, you're just they do this thing. Like, that's how I feel sometimes when I, when I read the words of Jesus. Is I'm just like, what? Did you just say, blessed are those who mourn? I mean, it's like, happy are the sad? This makes no sense, Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. Like, blessed are those who are in the pit of despair. Blessed are those who can't get out of bed in the morning because they're so depressed. Blessed are those who are so sick over what they're going through that they literally can't eat. And Jesus says, yeah, you, right there, in that moment, that is where you're blessed. Now, um, we've gone through some struggle. Raise your hand if you've struggled in life. Anybody in the room have struggled in life a couple times? I have struggled with life in a lot of different ways. And I think most of us would say struggle can be good, right? If uh, you do any weightlifting or working out, you know that there's a journey of struggle that you go on, but it, the payoff is worth it. At least they tell me it is. I'm still waiting. <laughs> I got like the COVID-19 going on here. That's what I'm calling it, the COVID-19. This is potato chips and, uh, you know, not eating well for three months. But I thought it was a funny joke. My wife's laughing. (laughs) 
But I think we know that there are strength builders in life. Some things make sense. Sometimes pain, we know, okay, this is difficult. Um, I'm moving to a new place. If you're PCSing in the military soon, it's going to be hard. Some of you are leaving town here uh, really soon, and and you don't want to leave. And you know it's going to be hard, but you know this. You know God's going to show up. You know you're going to find great friends. You know you're going to find a great church. You know you're going to find a good community. You're going to continue on in the journey that you've been in your faith, and God's going to be there in this new place as much as he was here in Alaska. I promise you that. And so we go, okay, that's good. That's good struggle. I know that that's, that's true. Um, you know, marriage is a little difficult right now, but hey, we're button heads, but it's like we, iron sharpening iron, right? But there's some sparks are flying right now, and I know it's difficult, but we know it's going to pay off. We know it's going to be good in the end. Those are strength builders, but, but what about the kind of grief that leaves everyone speechless? You ever been in a moment like that where you literally didn't know what to say? I know as a pastor, I've been um, in a bunch of moments like that where I've been in hospital rooms and there were simply no words to speak. You simply can't say anything that can make this moment feel any better. It's just grief at its purest form. And in that moment, right there, right in that delicate moment is where Jesus says, God is. That's where God is blessing. That's where God shows up. And that person who walks through that is a blessed person. This is an upside-down kingdom, isn't it? This is not the kingdom of the world that we live in, right? Because here's what we believe in this world, is blessed are those who have everything they've ever wanted, right? That's really it. Or we say it like this, I'm living the dream, right? You ever said this before? Yeah, your buddy calls you up. Hey, how you doing? Just living the dream, man. Linda, I got the house. I got the 2.75 children. I don't even know what that means. You know, I got the decent car. I just bought a side-by-side, going four-wheeling, going fishing in Alaska, going to go camping. Like, like I'm, I'm living the dream. Or maybe you just got married. Maybe you're just, you know, working through college. Whatever your journey is, we say this. We're living the dream. What is the dream? What is it? Like, what, what was your dream? Like, what do you really want out of your life? And, and here's the bigger question is, what happens when you get it? Then what? And what happens when you get all of those things? Are you satisfied? Does it give you what you need? Do you feel like this meets the deepest desires of your soul? Are you really happy? Are you really, truly blessed? I want you to think about this crowd that Jesus is speaking to. Remember, he's on this mountainside. He's talking to all kinds of different people. It's a mixed crowd. You've got the religious people, the churchgoers, right? And then you've got the poor people. And and there really wasn't much of a middle class in the day of Jesus. It was either, you know, broke as a joke or um, you had a lot of money and power. And in general, the belief was, you know, if you've got money and power, you're blessed. Blessed are the haves and cursed are the have-nots. That was the belief in their day. I don't know that we've gone much farther than that in our day, if we can be honest. So we've got people that have money and possessions and prestige. We have other people who uh, were overrun with disease. I mean, it's difficult. We think we have it hard, but for them, the treatments um, were, were very, very small for disease, poverty, job loss, infant mortality rates were, were insane. We couldn't even imagine what it was like to have a child in their day. And so these people are all listening to Jesus. Women are in the crowd, right? And in their culture, women were treated just a little better than a slave. Just maybe a little bit better than a slave. Work was hard. It was grueling. Your your fingers and your hands would be blistered after a long day 
of work. And, and I want to know, I want to say this in this crowd, there's a lot of different people listening to this message today. And you're coming at this from different angles. Some of you are like, if, if the morning are blessed, then Brian, I am so blessed today because I'm grieving over my life. I'm grieving over my losses. I'm grieving over difficult things. Others of you are doing really, really well. And so you're trying to get your head wrapped around this, but I want you to know in this room, just look around for a second. Look around in this room. In this room is grief. Like, there's grief in this space. There's grief in this room. For you who are watching online, your friends, your neighbors, somebody next door is dealing with real, true, honest grief. I've had people come up to me after I preach, and they've said, hey, my mother just passed away. They've said, I've just gotten, gotten through with my fifth round of, of chemo. I've heard this, my son left and I haven't seen him in months. I just finished my divorce hearing. I've heard, um, I am hurt by the church. I've heard, I, I didn't believe in God. And then I've heard this, but I just came face to face with Jesus. And, and it's so often that that's when somebody walks in these doors is in moments of their deepest grief and loss. In the moments that nothing really makes sense. Those are the moments where people seem to come back or even go to God for the first time. And so Matthew, as Matthew writes these words, imagine him sitting down, penning these words, talking about what Jesus said on this mountain. He's thinking back to a similar sermon that Jesus had preached in his home when he was a crooked tax collector. And when he misunderstood what blessing was because he had cheated and stolen to get all of the things that he had wanted and realized that there was no blessing there. And in that moment, he hears this sermon and Jesus says this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. So Jesus, once again, flipped upside down kingdom. Hey, you think the healthy people are are blessed, but they don't need a doctor. The sick people do. Guess who the doctor is? It's me. It's Jesus. Jesus is the doctor. You want to meet the doctor, I guess you got to realize that you're a little sick. And so he talks about this different way of seeing the world. Now I want to stop for a second because some of you are like, man, my life's going pretty well. I'm feeling a little bad about myself. Don't do that. Okay? Uh, there's there's the, 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 the poverty gospel and the prosperity gospel. Both of those are not the gospel of Jesus, right? There's the idea you're more blessed if you have very little or you're more blessed if you have a lot. Both of those are false. I want to tell you that right now. But here is what is true is that you can be blessed and live the dream, but living the dream does not mean you're blessed. You can be living, you can, like, I've got the kids and, man, God has really given me a lot of different things that I've asked for. It seems like I ask God and he gives it to me. Don't feel any shame for that. But understand, that does not mean that you're blessed. You can have those things, but a blessing is so much deeper, right? This is living with the goodwill and approval of God. And and, and we all know that we can have a lot of things that people would say are blessings and not be living a life that gets the approval of God. That's a a really good question to ask whenever you're making a decision is, is, can God bless this moment right now? Can God bless these words that are coming out of my mouth right now to my coworker? Can God bless the way that I'm using my finances right now? Can God bless the way that I'm dealing with my children right now? Can God bless the... And and if you're like, no, God wouldn't bless this, then it's time to make a different decision and step into a different kingdom, right? Somehow our logic is skewed. I love what Psalm 18 says. Um, David is walking through some difficult pain in his life, and he, he writes this song. 
about a vision he has of God, of who God is. And he says this in verse 11. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. So I want you to think about this imagery that he's using, this idea that darkness is the covering of God. This idea that God comes wrapped in a dark cloud. Like that's where God shows up, is in the darkness, in the difficult times of life. And some of you are mourning, and and you would say, that'd be a great way to describe mourning in my life. It's like a dark cloud follows me around. I've heard people say that. It's like everywhere I go is this grief. And it's like I can't shake it. It's on me every moment of my life. And I love that David's like, you know where God is. He's in the dark cloud. He's in the sadness. He's in that moment of grief. He's in your loss. So where's your dark cloud right now? Like, what are you grieving right now? Maybe you're not as far along in life as you'd hoped, right? Maybe your kids are more of a challenge than you thought they would be. And that's a dark cloud for you. Maybe you can't seem to find that someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with right now. That feels like a dark cloud. For us right now, it's the loss of normalcy, right? Nothing's normal right now. Everything's screwed up, it seems like. There is no normal in our life. And COVID-19 has been a dark cloud. And some of you are like, well, I don't know, I got some projects done in the basement and, you know, like did a little to-do projects, got those things. But then what, right? I mean, we don't know when this is going to, and everything can change in a moment. We're just taking this day in and day out. And so the loss of a sense of rhythm and security, it's a dark cloud whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And we can try to hide behind some to-do projects or, you know, getting out on the lake, but... There is certainly a dark cloud going on. I was reading a recent article in the Harvard Business Review entitled, That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. Like, whatever it is that you're like, there's just something uncomfortable about this whole COVID thing, about the journey that we've been on, and whatever you think about all of it that's happened in all of this, there is a real honest grief that we all have had to walk through in this. And, and, and he goes on, the author of this article, to talk about the five stages of grief. Do you guys know what those are? You don't have to list them off. It's okay. It's not testing you in church. But I would encourage you to look up the five stages of grief. If you've never uh, studied that, these are really important for, I believe, every individual to understand the journey of grief because it's not just, can I just get over this? There are many stages, but um, he's actually put these into five different stages. And here's what uh, the author of this article said. He said, there's denial. You've heard this maybe before which we say a lot of early on, uh, this virus won't affect us. You heard about it happening in China. You heard about it happening, you know, across the world. And you said, I don't know, like, it probably won't get here. I'll be fine, right? How'd that work out for you? There's anger, which is this. You're making me stay home and taking away my activities? Come on, right? Some of you are still right there. You're like, I'm just pretty ticked off about this whole thing. I'm still just grumpy. I'm just gnarly angry about this whole situation we find ourselves in. I've never said gnarly angry before, but I just said it. Is that a word? It is now. Angry about this. There's bargaining. Okay, if I social distance for two weeks, everything will be better, right? We thought, well, I'll make a deal with the virus or make a deal with this situation. If I just kind of play my cards right, it's going to get better. There's sadness. I don't know when this will end. 
And finally, there's acceptance. This is happening. I have to figure out how to proceed. This, is, this has happened. This is happening. And this is going to continue happening for quite some time. And my prayer at church, listen, through all of this has been, God, would you finish the work that you started in our hearts? I mean, the biggest tragedy, hear me, the biggest tragedy in all of this would be that you and I walk away from this journey having not let God transform us the way he wants us to. They, like, we just run back to routine. We run back to however life was before and we don't say, God, would you just transform my desires and give me a new kingdom to live for? God wants to wake us up. Are you listening? Are you hearing him? Are you willing to be changed by him? Our world has never collectively grieved like this before. It's never happened. So what stage of grief are you in? And then when you approach grief and acknowledge, I am in a place of grief, which everybody in the room, everybody online, in some way or another, you are in a place of grief. What keeps us from describing grief as a place of blessing? And I think it's what we've been talking about all along which is that we still correlate blessing with you've got the house, your kid is the captain of the football team, and you're married to a supermodel, right? You are so blessed. That's how we know that you're blessed. I think today we find ourselves in the same place that the people listening to Jesus find themselves in. But think about it. If blessing means physical things, romantic relationships, and a life of ease, then Jesus was the least blessed man who ever walked the face of the earth. Right? Never married, didn't have a house, barely had something to wear, just walked around sandals, a little bit of clothing, not even a a pillow to rest his head on, right? Jesus had nothing to his name, yet he had everything that mankind has ever needed and wanted, which is a relationship with the Father. Jesus had that, and so all the other things were optional. And so you know what? His blessing could not be stolen. His blessing could not be threatened by a virus. His blessing couldn't be taken away with a job loss or a statement like, hey, I think we're better as friends. His blessing, his his ultimate blessing was a relationship with his father that could not be changed by the ebb and flow of this uncertain world that we live in. And that's the kind of blessing that I want. I don't know about you. I want that kind of blessing. So let's go back to the definition of blessing. If blessing God is kneeling in worship, then God blessing us is kneeling in solidarity. I want you to think about this. If the idea of blessing in the Hebrew is this kneeling down, that we bless God by humbling ourselves and kneeling down in worship of God, then when God blesses us, which we said he wants to, he wants to bless you, then it's him kneeling in solidarity. It's the moment that God is like face to face with you. You ever been that close to somebody? Not right now, right? But like this close, like where you're just looking in somebody's eyes. Like it's a moment like that. Uh, the Celts used to call these thin places. These, these thin spaces where heaven meets earth. And in those moments, that's where God shows up and that's where you're blessed. And there is something powerful about someone who's gone through mourning and come out the other side still breathing. Have you met somebody that's just mourned? I mean, they mourned well, and they dealt with grief, and they're on the other side, and you're just like, I need to sit with that person for some time because they have some wisdom, some understanding that I don't have. Because here's the deal. Most people don't cry out to God when they get a job promotion. 
Most people don't cry out to God on their graduation day or on their wedding day or on their flight to Maui or on their test drive for their brand new car, right? Most people cry out to God when their dreams are crushed. And in that moment, heaven and earth collide because we have a God that is with us in our unfulfilled dreams and our broken decisions. And how do we know that? Because he sent Jesus. It is the ultimate moment of God showing his solidarity with humanity in our sinful uh, decisions and brokenness is that he sends his son to kneel down to humanity, Philippians says, that he actually condescends himself, becomes a man, took on the form of a servant and ultimately died for us. God is with us and we know that because of Jesus. And in those moments where God is just near where the grief is just unbearable. Heaven touches earth and we are changed. And that's why you're blessed. It's because those are the life-changing moments that you can't get out of having everything that you ever wanted. So what do the mourners get from God? Okay, so we said blessed are the mourners. What do they get? Matthew 5, 4, it says this, for they shall be comforted. For they shall be comforted. Interesting, the word comfort here is the Greek word parakaleo. It's kind of fun to say which means to call to oneself or to call near to oneself. It's the same word used for the comforter in the scriptures. Now, who's the comforter? Here's your test. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Which, interestingly enough, this is the weekend that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. You guys know that? Pentecost Sunday, this weekend. I mean, this is a big deal. This is one of the biggest deals, one of the biggest celebrations in the church is that God did not leave mankind alone. In our suffering. When Jesus left, he said, Hey, it's actually good news that I leave. I know you don't think that, but I'm going to leave and I'm going to send you the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to live inside of you and he's going to give you power and he's going to give you inspiration and he's going to, he's going to give you vision for your life and he's going to give you discernment and he's going to show you that you actually have salvation within you. He's going to just be the seal of your salvation. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to walk through this thing alone. Amen. Like, praise God, we get the Holy Spirit. He says, he says the, 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 the mourners are blessed because they will be comforted. They will get comfort from the Holy Spirit. And you see, the comforted have a unique relationship with the comforter. If you've never been comforted by God, if you've never needed to be comforted by God, then you don't have the same relationship with the comforter as someone who constantly needs to be comforted by God who's just gone through some stuff, has dealt with mourning, has looked at the world and said, I'm just so broken about the things that I see on the news, the things that I see in my neighborhood, the things that I see in my family. Like somebody who sits down and actually takes time to grieve and mourn, those people get to know God better in their grief than someone who has never mourned through things. A great book I would recommend to you uh, by C.S. Lewis is called A Grief Observed. Um, I went back to it this week. I read it years ago. But he talks about this. He talks about what happens in our hearts and the journey that we go on as we walk through grief. And he says this, God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. In case you've ever wondered, like, have you ever said, is this a test, God? Like, are you just wanting to know if I love you and that's why I'm going through this really difficult time? God is not doing that. He knew it already. He's God, Right? He knows the strength and weakness of your faith. I love that he says this. It was I who didn't. God knew. I didn't know. 
I walked into this situation. Now I know. He says this, he always knew that my temple was a house of cards. That what I thought was a strong faith was just a little gust of wind. And it crumbles. And God knew that. I didn't know that. But until I walked through grief, now I found that out. And now I'm able to to actually process through the weakness and weak points of my faith, the, the questions that have been left unanswered and the things that I need to deal with. Now that I've walked through grief, I can deal with the weakness of my faith and actually let the Holy Spirit comfort me, get to know him better, and walk out the other side knowing God and loving him more than I ever did before. That can actually happen. So I want to ask you, how have you sought comfort during this difficult time? Whatever it is that you're mourning, I want to give you a few unhealthy grieving options. So this is the uh, idiot's guide to grieving. Don't do these things. Um, The first thing, don't do this, is uh, isolation in your grief. Don't isolate. We said this from the beginning of this whole COVID journey. Hey, you weren't meant to do isolation alone. You weren't meant to be stuck in your house alone. You can actually do this in community. That's why we launched Zoom groups and and we've got people checking in on people. That's why we're making thousands of phone calls, which we have. There's been a lot of phone calls that, you know, people have made in our church just checking in on people because you don't need to do this alone. Don't grieve alone. You weren't meant to do it alone. The next unhealthy grieving option is numbing. Um, You know, I was reading a recent article in the Acreage Daily News that said, um, maybe you know this, that alcohol sales and marijuana sales are through the roof in Alaska. And we know these can be numbing agents, right? And so your, your person who's maybe dabbling in these things or would say, well, you know, I'm a social drinker, is now walking into all out addiction because they're dealing with grief, sorrow, and loss right now. That's not everybody, but, but some of you are going to need some help. Some of you online are going to need some help. And, and uh, don't let the shame or um, denial of that keep you from actually reaching out. Because even in that, there's some loss. There's some sense of, well, man, I've been stuck at home and I should have done something with this time. Instead, I walked it myself into an addiction. So I want you to move on from that. Don't let shame keep you from reaching out. But numbing, once again, is an unhealthy grieving option. The next unhealthy grieving option is rushing through grief. Because um, I just want to get to the other side of grief. I think we all can admit that. If I'm grieving, let's get out of grieving. How do we move on from grieving? Um, There's some work that God needs to do in the grief. And it's going to take some time. And it's okay. And it's a process. And the process is going to be worth it. So don't rush through the grieving. The other thing that I don't want you to do is wallow in the grief. You know, this is where you just play the same sappy movie every night on Netflix. Pour yourself, you know, or get yourself a big old bowl of ice cream. You know, send the kids to bed. Sit there, just cry yourself to sleep. Like, don't do that every night to yourself. Like, I know sometimes it helps just to kind of get in touch with those feelings and emotions, but, but don't just wallow in it. Take a step forward. Maybe we we'll use those five stages of grief as a tool to go like, how do I move on to the next journey that I need to walk through so I can understand what I'm going through? 1 Thessalonians 4, um, speaking about believers who have lost loved ones, which is certainly a kind of grief if you've lost a loved one before. Uh, He says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. I love that he says that your brothers and sisters who are in Christ, they're just sleeping. That's good news. Which means you're going to see them again. You know, like they're, they're actually with Jesus and, and you're going to be with them. They're asleep. Then he says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And so I would say the 
most unhealthy grieving option is to do hopeless grieving, to grieve without hope. I mean, this is the worst kind of grief, is grief with no hope. I mean, this is, honestly, um, this is grief without Jesus, is grief without hope. I, I, don't, I don't know how we can even have hope with the things that we have to deal with in life if, if there is nothing else out there. If there is no God, if there is no loving Savior who is actually face-to-face with us in solidarity, in our suffering, what else do we put our hope in? Better days ahead, Right? Just wishful thinking for, for maybe just a better time, right? Like, we're all going to find ourselves at the end of this life at some point. The question is, well, what's next? What comes after that? You see, as believers, we grieve with hope for the kingdom to come. We believe that there's a kingdom that is coming where God is going to heal all that's wrong in this world. There will be no more viruses. There will be no more racial tension. There will be no relational uh, breakdown. There will be unity amongst God's people in worship of God at all times. And that's a kingdom that we can look forward to. So here's my question for you today as we close this out. Are you seeking comfort from a what or a one? Are you seeking comfort from a what, a thing, or a one? God himself. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all, what's the word? Comfort, because that's what he does for us. Who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any, any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, comfort we get from a what is a false comfort. If you've ever done something, like, man, I just feel better because I, I went and, you know, uh, went outside and, you know, ran or whatever. Like, those are, those are options to help feel better. But ultimately, we need comfort in a one, not a what. If you ever numbed yourself with something and been like, well, it felt, felt better for one night. I mean, at least I can celebrate that. You're seeking comfort from a what and not a one. It's a false comfort. If you're getting comfort from clothes or food or being in a relationship on Facebook, right? Or something that you use to escape, you are seeking comfort from a what and not a one. You see, when you've lost everything, the one thing you have not lost is Jesus. And that's why we need Jesus so much. It's why we need comfort in him. You see, the comfort Jesus wants to provide us, that he promises us, is not the absence of pain, but it's the presence of God in your pain. And that is better than the absence of pain. And why is it better? Because in those moments, we get to know that God. We get to see how faithful he is. We get to see how much he loves us. And so, a couple ways to grow in your mourning. The first is, I want you to tell your story. If you're grieving right now and no one knows, would you just please pick someone, maybe even in this room here tonight, that you, before you leave tonight, I want to tell my story of grieving. Maybe somebody online, if you maybe need to pick up the phone or send a text, set up a time for a Zoom call, get face-to-face, computer screen to computer screen, whatever that looks like right now, and tell your story of grief. The next is this, run toward the grief. Don't run away from it. Lean into the suffering that God is using to change you and mold you. Run toward that grief. I love that there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Laments. Laments are simply grieving through the loss in this life. So there's a whole book in the Bible that's like, hey, this is actually a good, important thing. I talked about it last week a little bit. Cry some tears. 
If you've never wept over your sin or what's been broken in your life or, or something that's gone wrong, like it's time to cry some tears. And I know some of you, you're like, I don't want to start crying because I'm never going to stop. But the truth is I've never met anyone who didn't stop crying at some point. Like at some point, the tears will subside. But tears can be healing. They can be good. So especially for you guys out there, you're like, man, I'm strong enough to not do that. I, you know what? God wants to use emotion. And uh, there's a healthy way to let that out, to let him work in your heart. And the third thing is this, get to know the comforter. Get to know the comforter. Invite him into your life. And maybe that's the thing that you've never done is you're like, man, I've been to church for my whole life. I know some Bible verses. I've been around the family of God for a while, but I can't say that I've ever encountered the comforter, that I've ever felt the presence of God in my life. And so maybe at some point you thought that all of this religious activity meant you had a relationship with God. And I want to promise you here tonight that that's not what that means. So you can do all the church and do all the right things and not actually know this God and find yourself wandering into the lie that blessing is to be living the dream. Instead, Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to be part of your life. The Holy Spirit wants to be part of your life and give you comfort. And so what if wherever you're suffering right now, whatever you're mourning right now, you just spend some time tonight and said, Holy Spirit, would you come into that place? Could I have a thin space, a thin moment where heaven meets earth right amidst my suffering? And so would you just bow your heads right now if you're online right now, if you want to pray that prayer and maybe it's for the first time and just inviting the, the Spirit of God into your life for God to come over and to be the leader and Lord of your life, I just want to give you an opportunity to pray that tonight. So Jesus, we ask you to come into our hearts. We ask you to change us and mold us. Father, we know that um, we tend to go to the what and not the one. We tend to seek comfort from things, from possessions, from numbing behaviors instead of from the God who loves us so much he would die to be in a relationship with us. So God, together as one voice in one community tonight, and from wherever people are watching online, God, we together say, Holy Spirit, come into your church. Father, empower us. Give us vision for better things. Help us to move through our suffering instead of trying to avoid it and to come out the other side having grieved but having met God himself. Father, would you change us and make us more like you, we pray. In all of these things, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.